The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by Dr. Joshua Vinnie. For more information about this message or about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Dear Heavenly Father, as we read and look at your word We pray that your spirit will apply it to us, give us insight into it, and we pray that uh, you will comfort us through it as we look and know the sure hope that we have in Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 3. And we will read the whole chapter. The account of John the Baptist and his ministry. So Matthew chapter 3. So hear God's word. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said... The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? And Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So we have a very rich text before us here. We won't be able to look at everything there. I'll let my New Testament colleagues 
fill in my failings, maybe correct my misgivings. Um, but uh, we'll look at some highlights in it. And what we see with John the Baptist is the last of the old covenant prophets. And now he is here to prepare the way for the Messiah, uh, the one to come. He's preparing the way for these new covenant realities. And uh, he is dressed like those old covenant prophets. It's the tie to Elijah in in verse 4, this garment of camel's hair that he has that uh, was recognizable for Elijah also. Um, he's, he's this one who's fulfilling Isaiah 40, verse 3, as our text says there in verse 3. This one crying in the wilderness, he's bringing about this new exodus. Um, and, uh, and we can see that even in Jesus in this first part of Matthew. It's tied in with this new exodus. He's the one who is taken out of Egypt. Here he goes through the water like the Red Sea, and and then he'll be tempted and tested in the wilderness like Israel. And so John is coming preaching that this repentance is, that repentance is needed for the day is at hand. And we can get the the sense of of his message as we think of um, another Old Testament text that John says he's fulfilling. Um, He's this messenger from Malachi that is coming, the Elijah that's spoken of Malachi. Malachi 3 says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. And then jumping to chapter 4. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. Uh, But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness, shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. You shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. And so this fiery message of this day coming, that's this message that John has uh, as he calls for repentance. And we see that fire as, as even these Pharisees and Sadducees come out and they're met. They're met with his, his, uh, his call to them, you brood of vipers. How did you know to flee from that wrath? You need true repentance. The trees are there, but the axe is coming if there's not good fruit. He's ready to cut down. 
And so this, this message of repentance that he gives, it comes also with this sign of baptism. Uh, this sign of baptism that John was doing. And we should probably, there's much debate on, on the origins of it. I would tie it in many ways to Old Testament ritual washings for purity. But as they're spoken and used in, in future prophetic texts, of this coming last days. Uh, Some have tied them uh, per per chance to uh, Ezekiel 36, verse 25, as God's um, bringing, gathering Israel again, uh, bringing them to the land. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols. I will cleanse you. Uh, And so, this, this, this washing, this end, end times washing, if you will, it was needed to prepare for that greater one who was going to come, who was bringing his own baptism. That John says will be a different baptism. I baptize with water this one who's coming after me. He's mightier. He will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. And as we, as we see that, we should hear that judgment imagery there. Um, he's coming with this baptism of, of, uh, of fire and the Spirit. And these probably aren't necessarily two, we should set them opposed to each other, but they both can have this idea of judgment in there. Um, this fiery Spirit that will come. That, uh, that what will it do? Um, well, we see it continuing on as he gives them the parable of it, verse 12 there. It's like this separating of the wheat and the chaff. His winnowing fork is in his hand. He'll clear his threshing floor. Right? He will thresh his people and gather the wheat and burn the chaff. Um, there will be this, this baptism coming that will separate the regenerate and the unregenerate, those who have, who have taken on this baptism of repentance will go through it. But those that do not and who do it, hypocr- do it in hypocrisy, they will be burned. Um, and so we, we, we see in that, that uh, um, background for, for baptism, especially water imagery that the Old Testament uses, and it's very rich, um, that there is this cleaning, like cleaning dirt from the body. Water can do that. But also water can be destructive, like a flood. And so in this baptism, we should see both of those. There is there's this cleaning and there is this judgment aspect to it. Um, and so as one commentator says of John's baptism... He, he says one thing we need to see of it is that it was eschatological and sealed the repentant, marking them as those who would pass through that coming judgment and enter the messianic kingdom. And so it's in that context, that fire and brimstone preaching of John the Baptist that Jesus strolls up. He comes, and we see in verse 13, he comes to be baptized by John. And we say, why? And that's what John does. 
John hesitates. John says he tries to prevent him, as it says there, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? What is this? Jesus doesn't need repentance. Uh, What is going on here? And we get Jesus' answer in verse 15 there. Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it's fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And yet, even with his answer, many commentators still just scratch their heads. How does that answer this hesitation of John? What is it saying about this situation? Um, One commentator, as he he lists eight various suggestions of why Jesus would come and be baptized by John and says that's even just the beginning of the list of suggestions out there. Um, But he says in the end we're in the dark um, on what what is going on here. And uh, so I don't want to claim to have the only answer. I want to put that out there to tell you that here's my suggestion as I've I've read and thought about it. And and again, my New Testament colleagues can correct me if I'm wrong. But as as we see in this, we should sense that that struggle. It is interesting. This is the only gospel. Matthew is the only gospel where you have this, uh, this sort of question. And all the others, John just baptizes Jesus, and there's no questions asked. But here, Jesus comes in. Why why amongst this this eschatological preaching and such do we have Jesus coming for baptism? And uh, what we need to see here is, is first, I would say, Jesus doesn't dispute what John says as far as I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me. We don't know exactly what John thinks about Jesus at this time. Uh, in the book of John, in the Gospel of John, there it mentions that, uh, that John was told by God, it's the one who the Spirit comes and stays on, then you'll know that's the one to come. And so then that would be after the baptism that he would, he would have that certainty. And we know later in Matthew um, that uh, he, he somewhat doubts, Jesus, are you the one or is there another? as he sees what's going on. So whatever John knew of him, he, he knew that there was something, something wrong with the way this was. It probably should be reversed. And Jesus doesn't so much debate that, but he says this needs to be this way for now. Let it be so for now. This is the appropriate thing that needs to happen at this time and place in redemptive history. And then he talks about this fulfilling of all righteousness. Um, and he mentions it's, it's proper for us. Right? This baptism is proper for us. And it will move towards that goal of fulfilling all righteousness. And so how are we to think of that? And I would say that we need to remember that Jesus came under the law, submitting himself under the law, under the old covenant. And we see that uh, in a text that I think ties with our text here in the the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 17, very famously, Jesus says, 
Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Uh, Again, that fulfill language. And so in this setting, as we said, who is John? He's the last of the old covenant prophets. And he has come calling for a baptism. And if we know something about the old covenant prophets, the people were to listen to him. They were to follow him. And so that's what I would argue Jesus is doing. He's submitting to that prophetic word that's coming through John in his ministry. It's appropriate for it now. Jesus is thereby submitting to this baptism that he doesn't need repentance, but it's this baptism that's called by John as the way to enter into this new covenant reality that's to come. Uh, Jesus submits himself with it, identifying himself with sinful Israel in that. And he does it also, knowing as we can see later on reading, that that imagery of judgment that we brought out with the baptism. He knows that what this baptism symbolized in that is what he would eventually undergo. Uh, And so he, he comes as this one submitting to this sign of the way to participate in these new covenant realities. Really, it's he's the one who's going to bring them about even through this process. As he is obedient, uh, as he begins this process of fulfilling that law and the prophets here by fulfilling John's call. Uh, And he does it also to connect that baptism that we still receive with him. He's the one who comes, making it effective, and yet he's the one who's also received it in his own body. And Calvin brings out some similar ideas. He says, Since Christ has voluntarily subjected himself to the law, it was necessary that he should keep it in every part. And so the general reason why Christ received baptism was that he might render full obedience to the Father. And he goes on and he adds another one. He says, the special reason was that he might consecrate baptism in his own body, that we might have it in common with him. Uh, he says he, he received the same baptism with us in order to assure believers that they are engrafted into his body, that they are buried with him in baptism, that they may rise to newness of life. And in this judgment ordeal, that element that we see there, it's helpful then to see what God's judgment is of Jesus through it. And that's how our text ends there as he's coming up out of the water. We see heaven opened up, the spirit coming down like a dove, now to indwell him, to bring about um, what needs to be accomplished 
in his obedience, the testing especially soon to just come up, but certainly all the way to the cross. Then we get the words from heaven. Uh, Many tie them with Psalm 2, verse 7. They're given to the Davidic um, son, the king. And uh, in the second part, often taken with Isaiah 42.1, the servant song. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So Jesus going into that baptism uh, in that sign of judgment, he gets the declaration that God is pleased with him. And as we then take that baptism and look to our own baptism, we know that we participate in Christ and we look forward to that declaration coming on us. Calvin, and we'll end with this, he says of this, he says, the designation of son belongs truly and naturally to Christ alone. But yet he was declared to be the son of God in our flesh that the favor of him whom he alone has right to call father might be obtained also for us. So may that be our confidence. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, may we know that you have marked us as your people through baptism, this baptism that Jesus himself underwent. And may in our dark days we turn and and hold on and put our confidence in your work, your spirit as it brings it about in our life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Copyright 2016. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.